0: Alright, let's get started. Uh, I'll open it in a word of prayer. Father God, we thank you so much for your word, your truth, for giving us life and teaching us about life, God. And uh, I pray that as we, today as we talk about um, work and the purpose of work and our vocations and careers, God, that you would continue to teach us, that you would um, uh, just open our minds and hearts to the truth and may we find uh, the gospel even in how we do our work, God. So we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Mm-hmm. Alright, so today we are talking about... Uh, the relationship between our faith and our work. <coughs> so, um, just a few questions. So, what do you guys think it means to be a Christian in the workplace? Like, what do you like? What does it matter that our that our uh, like that does our faith matter when we go into work? Yes. How so? Workplaces. Is- place of ministry. Mm-hmm. So like what do you mean by work workplace is a place of ministry? Um, for a lot of people it's like the primary area they get to know new people. Okay. So, so. so like one of them could be like maybe like relationship building in the office? <coughs> okay. How else how else does work matter? Like what does it mean to be a Christian in the workplace? Or maybe maybe the question I, I I'll ask is um um how do you maybe why does your faith matter in the workplace? I guess uh Neiman answer that with like you can build relationships in the workplace. How else does it matter? Um uh,
1: like work ethic, like integrity. Okay. So
0: <laughs> maybe like because you're a Christian, uh you're more honest? You're more you have more integrity? Okay. And how does that what is how does that come out?
1: Like if I don't know, like the, you don't know, steal pens at work. Okay. Or like, yeah, even like that or like, I don't know, stuff like
0: that. And know. then get, maybe your coworkers will see that you're honest uh-huh. and that reflects on your, your faith. Yeah. Okay. I don't
1: know. Steal pens at work.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Anything else? Well, if we're we're like
1: secret agents to like spread the gospel, so that's uh-huh. like our our place to be like behind enemy lines. Okay, sort of. so maybe like it's our mission field.
0: Yeah. All right. Anything else? Okay. These, these are good. I um. As as we think about what it means to be Christian in the workplace, if you think about it, how how many hours? Do we spend in uh, in church and small group and whatever else during the week? Any estimates? Five hours, maybe. Five hours at church and church-related activities. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you What do you guys do the rest of the week? You spend at least most people like depending if you're in school or if you have like other things going on. Average people will spend like forty hours a week doing work, right? So there, there seems to be sometimes a little bit of disconnect because if we say that the, our faith is the most important thing in our lives, um, do we look at it as, as our, our workplace, do we look at that as, as is that something that we do to um, maybe just earn money to, so we can give money to the church or to missions or whatever? Um, and I think that as, as <coughs> Christians, we need to really think about why it is that we work, what is the purpose of our work? And how does this all fit into um, our our place in the kingdom of God? My um, when, I, when I was in seminary, uh, just actually my last my last semester there. Who has an iPhone? You, you guys all have an iPhone, right? My my professor was telling me about someone in his church who he's the president of the company that makes the aluminum bumpers, um, and he. What's so up, guys? Aluminum. Yeah, he, uh, so he's like. Imagine this is the guy and this is like a, um it's supposed to be like a really light resilient very strong type of metal that protects the iPhone. And the president happens to be a Christian. So he's a Korean guy. He he uh, he grew up in the church and he makes so much money. He makes tons of money and and as he was as before he like got into this uh his, his parents were telling him, like, he grew up in the church, and his parents were telling him, you know, like, if you really want to do something like for God, what do you do? You, you become a missionary, or you become a pastor. And he said, even though he's earning these millions of dollars, and even though, like, his work is in the pockets of, like, literally tens of millions, maybe hundreds of millions of people around the world, he feels like a second-class citizen, because he's like, well, like, if my work really matters... Um, then I should be, or if I want my work to really matter, I should be doing something directly related to the kingdom of God. I should be preaching. I should go to Bible college and learn about the Bible so I can I can uh, teach people better. And and the, this whole time he, he's felt kind of like you know like you know what I do is neat. It's I've made a lot of money off of it, but then um, he doesn't really feel that that really makes uh, the difference that it should make. So and I think that sometimes we just think in terms of you know. I work my own job and uh, what really – if I really want to make a difference, if I really want what I do 40 hours a week to matter, then I need to go to seminary and I need to go to school and I, I need to become a pastor or a missionary or I need to – or maybe the second best thing that I can do is maybe I can earn a lot of money so I can give to those causes and you know, some people, they uh, – I've, I've heard of actually um, – some pastors, they say that their people are, if they're working for businessmen, if they, uh, if they make enough money to give, that they're all they really are are pockets to be picked because they support the real work of God. So I want us to maybe think about, is that really what work entails? Is that really what work comes down to for us? Or is there something more to that? So um, over the, this week and next week, we're going to talk about the purpose of work. I'm going to pull this table back just a little bit so we can give more room. Thank you. Yeah, there you go. Thank <laughs> um, So over the, this week, we'll talk about just like, what are the foundations of work? What's the theology behind work? And then next week, we'll talk a little bit more about how does the gospel relate to our, the work, our work? How does, um, how can we be effective agents, effective missionaries? How can we make our 40 hours a week in the office or classroom or laboratory or Behind uh, the, the counter of work. All right? So, um, let's talk about... I have this quote uh, at the at the top. Not the questions up top, but this quote below. In the spiritual life... Is the spiritual life merely interior? Modernity has stripped God from every aspect of life, so much so that even Christians relegate God to only Sunday mornings. What is that quote saying? It's saying that... You know... Um, there used to be a time when everyone believed in God, and uh, if you didn't believe in God, that was I, there was like there was a time when there was, there weren't any atheists. Everyone believed in God. Everyone believed that God had his head and stuff. But over the uh, over the centuries, um, during the Enlight- Enlightenment, people started to remove the divine uh, aspect of of everything from from education, from uh, from the art, from work, and They said, you know, um, we can think about our lives without God. And over the years, this has uh, come to affect a lot of thinking. It's even come to affect the way that Christians think. They think, well, you know, like, what really matters is Sunday mornings. That's important. But then the other five or six days of the week, um, well, um, that's just something that we do. We don't really think about God or how he's active in that all that much. So what we want to do is we want to, like, strip ourselves away from that type of thinking. So... Our first uh, big point, the foundation of work. So, uh, can I have, um, Tracy, can you hit, read uh, Genesis 131 here?
1: And God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. All right,
0: our first point is that the physical world is good. So, one of the ways that we need to think about the universe of everything that exists is that it's good. Um, and you might think well you know one day we're going to die and this this world doesn't matter no it's actually god meant for this world to be good and it is good and um, there's if we can contrast how like uh, the, the biblical way of thinking versus maybe other religions how they think about the world we'll see that there's a huge difference so what I what do i mean there are um accounts of creation in other religions where uh, where the the universe was the was the result of gods going at each other and out of conflicts, maybe uh, someone died and then out of that death uh, the world was created or the universe was created. It was out of um, fighting, it was out of conflict that the universe was created. Um, and there are multiple accounts in different religions of how the world was created and uh, almost every single one of them says that it was because there was some type of fighting, it was because of some... Um, disastrous result that the world that the universe was created so here comes this thinking that says well if this if the universe if this world is created out of conflict um, then this world is bad the physical aspect of the universe is bad that's why that's why you know there's death and that's why there is um, so much tension and strife uh, in the world but what what does the bible say the bible says that God saw everything that he made, and it was very good. So the Christian account of creation says that the world was created out of the goodness of God. Uh, it was – everything that we see is comes from the overflow of the joy within the Trinity. And it, it's – like I kind of uh, think of – the image that comes to mind is you know if you ever shake up a can of soda, and then like if you open the top, like everything explodes and like the soda gets all over the place – this is kind of an imperfect uh, imperfect illustration, but I think in terms of just in the, within the Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, there's just so much joy and happiness, and um, out of that sprang sprang goodness, the good creation, um, that, that what we see uh, is a result of happiness and joy, and this is the Christian account of creation, so... When we think of the physical world, we think, okay, so if we really believe as Christians that the world is good, then that should maybe set the train tracks for where we're going. That, you know, maybe it's not so bad that we work the the earth. All right? Um, Next one is this. uh, God worked and he continues to work. Carissa, can I ask you to read Genesis 2, please?
1: Thus the heavens and the earth were finished and all the host of them. And on the seventh day, God finished His work that He had done, and He rested on the seventh day from all His work that He had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because
0: on it God rested from all His work that He had done in creation. All right, thanks. And then Neiman, can I have you read John five, please? Jesus answered them, "My Father is working until now, and I am working." All right, thanks. So we see that God works. I'm going to get again. I'm going to refer to um, like. History from years ago, um, centuries ago, um, millennia ago, where people thought you know, work is bad. They would think you know if if what really matters is um, is you know if if the world were perfect then we would not have to work. And philosophers from years ago they would say you know what's really noble, what's really dignified is not. Um, doing work, but it's sitting around to think about the higher things in life. It's to maybe just sit down and meditate. Maybe we can pray to the gods. And this is what really matters. If if, uh, if I were just to work, if I were just to, you know, make pizza, or if I were to fix cars, that is that kind of work is it's not as honorable. It's not as dignified. But we see that if God, what does God do? God works, so if God is someone that works, mm-hmm. then that should set the, set, set the uh, kind of set the pattern for how we think about work. So if we notice, you know, if um, if you were to if you were a deity, um, and if you were to send someone to save like the people on Earth, what like how would you think about you know saving those people? You might think I'm going to send this regal, majestic um demigod to to save save these people on earth and what's he going to do he's going to come down he's going to rule the world he's going to he's going to wipe all the bad people away and save all the good people and he's going to be king and he's just that's everything's going to work out like neatly and but what does Jesus come down as what is he wh- what was his occupation when he uh was living on this earth carpenter he was a carpenter right Jesus worked with his hands so it's so, um, it's so neat to see how God thinks about the world. He thinks the world is good, work is good, and when he came down as a human being, he was someone that worked with his hands. He created stuff with his hands. All right, any questions or comments at this point? All right, we'll go on. God's design for work. All right, God uses means to an end. What do I mean by that? I mean that's, um, well, well, we'll read the passage, and then I'll uh, explain more. Jeff, can I have you read um, Genesis 1, 28, please? And God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful, <coughs> multiply, and fill
1: the earth, and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over every living thing that moves on the earth.
0: Thanks. And Kira, can I have you read Genesis 2, please?
1: The Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and keep it.
0: All right, thanks. So God, when He created this world, He could have, He could have created. You know, he's, if, he's, if He wanted, you know, um, if He wanted a, a ton, like a lot of people to to just uh, exist, He could have just created. Millions of people, billions of people, like that exist on the Earth now, right? But then, what does he tell? What does he tell? Um, tell Adam in Genesis one twenty eight. He tells him, "Be fruitful and multiply, and fill the Earth." One of Adam's uh, job was to be fruitful, to create, to procreate, to create more human beings, um, and. That wasn't necessary, right? But then if God really wanted us to exist, he could have just said, all right, I'm going to create Harry, I'm going to create Eric. Boom, they exist. But God tells man, no, you're actually going to, you know, whatever is necessary to create these people, you do it. And God didn't have to do that. He could just say, you know, these people will exist and bam, it happens. But then we enter, when God says, tells us to, um, be fruitful and multiply. God is telling us, uh, become a part of creation with me. What will you also create just as I have created? So we work alongside God in creating in the world. Um, he says uh, and subdue it and have dominion over <laughs> the fish over and, and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. God is telling people, you know, if, if God wanted... Um, total order. If God wanted like fields to be planted, he could have just created planted fields, right? But he gives man the privilege of working alongside God and doing the things that God has enabled them to do. So we see that work is something that, that we all should be a part of. And notice God tells, uh, tells this to... God tells man to work before the fall. So the fall happens later on. So, th- so work is not the result of, of sin. We don't have to, I mean, if we think in terms of, um, of, uh, work, you know, like if you go on a vacation, what do you want to do? Relax. You want to relax, right? You want to sit in front of the TV or you want to sit on the beach and you don't want to do anything. But what do you do? You, uh, or, uh, So that's, that, that's our idea of paradise, our idea of um, just living life well is to not work. But God says, well, even before the fall happened, God says work is good. And God wanted man to work. So God, uh, when I say that God uses means to an end, I, I mean that God could have created the world as is. He could have created um, whole cities with the skyscrapers and with buses driving around. He could have done that. But he didn't. Why? Because he gave man the privilege of working alongside him to create cities, to create um, skyscrapers and buses and stuff like that. So God uses means, meaning us. God uses people to bring about culture and civilization. Um, And God works through all people. Um, Sandy, can I have you read Acts 17, please?
1: He himself gives to all mankind life and breath and everything. That they should seek God and perhaps feel their way toward Him and find Him. Yet He is actually not far from each one of us. For in Him we live and move and have our being, as even some of your own poets have said. For we are indeed His offspring.
0: All right, thanks. So God works through all people. So when I talk about us thinking about work in a maybe um as as believers, like we should think about how our work matters, but then we don't want to limit. significant, honorable, dignified work to only believers. This passage in, in Acts, it says, God gives all mankind life and breath and everything. So when you think about your co-workers or when you think about your classmates or whoever it is that you do any work alongside, they may not be believers, but the scriptures say that the life and the breath that they have in them was given to them by God. And God... and. God works through these people as well i'm going to use i 'm going to turn to Romans 13 and um, you can just listen along but there's an example given in Romans 13 where Paul talks about um, the government and how the government is instituted by God to carry out god 's work um, actually if you want to turn there you can turn with me i 'm t- going to Romans 13 or you can just listen along um, so i 'm going to read uh, about seven verses. Romans 13, let every person be subject to the governing authority. So that means the government of the United States or the government of California. For there is no authority except from God, and those that exist have been instituted by God. Listen to that. Those that exist have been instituted by God. So governments are instituted by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authorities, resists the what God has appointed, and those who resist will incur judgment. For rulers are not a terror to good conduct, but to bad. Would you have no fear of the one who is in authority? Then do what is good, and you will receive his approval. For he is God's servant for your good. God is saying that those in go- in governments, those President Obama, or the government, or the, the governor of California, these people are servants of God because they do the work of God. But if you do wrong, be afraid, for he does not bear the sword in vain, for he is a servant of God, an avenger who carries out God's wrath on the the wrongdoers. Therefore, one must be in subjection, not only to avoid God's wrath, but also for the sake of conscience. For because of this, you also pay taxes, for the authorities are ministers of God attending to this very thing. Listen to that again. Authorities are ministers of God. It doesn't say that they have to be Christian authorities. It doesn't mean that, that, that... Uh, if we ever have a president who's not a Christian, um, that that person isn't a minister of God. This scripture is saying that God works through people and government authorities are ministers, they're servants of God. So this falls in line with Acts 17 when it says that God gives life and breath to everyone. God gives life and breath to everyone for the sake of doing what God wants to be done now god doesn't that it doesn't need to be that way if god wanted everyone to pay 25% in taxes and if if god wanted every, like the the country to be in total order god could just say he could just snap his fingers and it would happen but god again gives man the privilege of working with him and whether or not these people are christians they serve god so what does that mean for how we think about our coworkers? Um, it means that the work that they do and the work that we do, it has equal worth. So if you think about, you know, whether we're an engineer or a teacher, um, or whether we work uh, as a plumber or sanitation, or as a t- or, or as a, whatever else that it, that it is that you guys do, everything that we do has value to God. Whether or not you're a Christian. So even the work of non-Christians, even the work of the person that hates God, this, this still honors God because, remember, what, what does God do? God creates. And when we work, we also create. We, all, we, we um, add to the life of the world. So uh, be, w- we say that man is created in the image of God. Um, one of that one of the ways that uh, that shows is that God creates we are we also create so um, even non-christians the work that they do has dignity because they reflect the image of God by creating by doing work so this creates a uh, something pretty radical for in terms of how we think about other people so many uh, so much of the world they think they, they look at the status of people, and they say, well, because this person, um, he does work that doesn't earn very much money, this person doesn't matter as much, or his life doesn't matter as much. You know, the, the, um, someone who is in ministry, who works, who preaches, and someone who, um, who works alongside people and helps them out for, throughout the week, that work really matters, so this person is a little bit more important, Or because I am a lawyer, I help people out, I I earn a lot of money, um, I'm important. But look at this doorman. Look at this waiter or waitress. Look at this busboy. What is it that they do? It seems to be very lowly. It seems to, uh, they don't earn much money from it. And then we attach these statuses to people because they don't earn much money or because the work that we see them doing, it it seems to be, uh, so menial, or it seems to be like we go, well, anyone can do it. So this person, their their value and worth as a person isn't as much as maybe the doctor who actually saves lives. The way the, the, way the Christian thinks about this, uh, if we think about this biblically, this should tell us, well, you know what, the person that I work alongside of, they have as much dignity... And value as the as a believer. Does that make sense? Any questions? Okay, so it's just cool how like you know when we think when we start thinking about the gospel and how like we think in terms of as believers, it's how it really frames the way we think about everything. Right? It should frame how we think about the, our forty hours in the office. It should frame how we think about um, the the janitor that cleans our desk when we're not in the office. Um, and we say that janitor has equal worth in God's eyes. That janitor has dignity, even if he's not a believer.
1: I have a question. Yes. So I hear what you're saying, that um, this doctrine of work equalizes all work, regardless of pay. But that's the world's, world's hierarchy. But in the Christian view, creating is what is what, imaging, mm-hmm. is, is, is what is, uh, imaging God. But then what you're also saying is that intent doesn't necessarily matter. You're, you're using Romans 13, right? That even right. pagans can image God when they are doing creative work. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to ask like a very practical example. So you have a company like In-N-Out, <coughs> and In-N-Out. In- when I look at my In-N-Out cup, I can see—I forgot what verse they have. But I see a little Bible verse. Yeah. So here's my In-N-Out Coke, and uh, it feels like sanctified Coke. And <laughs> <right? laughs> <laughs> so then I go, I go, <laughs> I go to. Uh, What's, what's another hamburger? Like five, five fingers oh, or whatever? <laughs> five guys. five, five guys. guys. I knew it was five. Five, five, five guys. I look inside their cup. There is no Bible verse.
0: Uh-huh.
1: And I, I wanted to ask, I mean, is this less sanctified Coke? Because it's five guys, Coke, and right. out Coke. Yeah. What is my duty as a Christian? Should I patronize the Coke that has <laughs> the, the Bible verse on it? Or can you speak to that, you know, uh, yeah let me
0: um well let me uh let me go back to um um god is it
1: our duty to to only do that
0: yeah yeah okay well let me let me let me go let me go back and um something that i didn't say when i was when i was talking about like what god commissioned man to do like i I told i I said that or the scripture says that one of our duties is to be fruitful and multiply fill the earth subdue it and have dominion over it um there's also um God also tells Adam, one of your jobs is to name things. It's to uh so God could have named if he saw like a Tyrannosaurus Rex, um God could have said, Call this thing is called Tyrannosaurus Rex. Noah said, he tells man to say, You name that thing Tyrannosaurus Rex, or if you see a lion, um it's your job, Adam, what do you want to name it? Adam says, I want to name it lion. Good job, Adam. Um God could have I done spoke that. English? Yeah, yeah, he, did. he spoke perfect English, twenty first century English. Um so what work does is when God says we, we subdue it and we, we fill the earth, it's creating – when God created the earth, created the, um, the world, he, he, he put order to things. He made things beautiful. And when God tells us to multiply, fill the earth, subdue it, he's telling us, you know, this. you see this plot of land? This plot of land needs to make it beautiful. And what does Adam do? He takes a plot of land. He, um, in subduing it, he creates something beautiful with it. He creates order and beauty uh, with his plot of land, and everything that we do. What what our work does is it creates beauty, it creates order. So when the when in and out when they make sandwiches, they create something useful and beautiful. It tastes good, um, and. Um, our, like when I when I'm eating that, I don't care whether it's an atheist that makes that burger or if it's a Christian, because it's equally delicious. Um, and I think that as so, your question was: Do is it our responsibility to patronize maybe Christian companies or yeah, or,
1: or even that even the concept of a Christian company? Yeah. Is that a category mistake?
0: <clears throat> yeah. Okay. So um, let me just uh, say something really important. I have my own opinion, about i Yeah. First. Let me, let me... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> okay. This word, Christian, can only be applied to people. Okay, let me... Uh, this is so, like... We really need to get this. The word Christian, there's no such thing as Christian music. There's no such thing as a Christian business or a Christian chicken sandwich... There's no such thing <laughs> as that. <laughs> Christian is is a. Uh, this only applies to people, okay? You, you don't. I, I have a friend who. Well, maybe, um,
1: maybe music is a little bit closer because content can be.
0: Yeah, let me let me uh yeah that's that's a good point. Let me touch on that. Um, I have a friend who who owns a really nice guitar, and um, I told him, dude, like the day the day he got it, like he showed it to me because we were both into guitars in college, and I was like, dude, let me play it, and he goes, okay. But you can you can't play you can't play any secular songs on it. I was like, what? <laughs> like, th- is there such a thing as a Christian <laughs> chord? Is there such a thing as a Christian scale, musical scale? Like, it just I was like, what are you talking about? I was like, oh, you know, like you can only play worship songs in it. Okay, that that I make that makes more sense. But there's no such thing as um, Christian. There's no such thing as a Christian like tempo, um, and there's no such thing as. If, you know the, the, the In-N-Out founders I, I guess they were Christians um, their burgers are not Christian burgers they're good burgers <laughs> um, there's such a thing as good music and, and bad music um, in ter- I'm just talking in terms of like just like the not not the lyrics but in terms of just like the music music part, portion of it there's no such thing as Christian music there's no such thing as um, secular music All everything is if it's beautiful then it's of God. If it's if it's good, this is something that reflects the goodness of God. Because man took on as 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 um, human beings, man uh, man is made in the image of God, and God creates beautiful things. So, um, yeah,
1: I mean, I think to add on to that, I think um, the instinct that we all have, and maybe the in and out <laughs> the founders had a good instinct, which is. They want to relate work and faith. They mm-hmm. want to say, how can I honor God with my company? And their instinct is to say, okay, well, I want to glorify God with my hamburgers. Yeah. I'm going to attach a Bible verse to the wrapping. Mm-hmm. That'll make it glorified to God. Yeah. I think that instinct is incorrect, and that cat, it's a category mistake. What makes something honoring to God is whether it's good or whether it's bad. Mm-hmm. So there's good burgers, there's yeah. bad burgers, there's excellent quality work, right? So yeah. you, know, you know, your code, if you're a computer code writer, You're a good coder if you write good code. You don't have to embed secret verses in it (laughs) (laughs) it, uh, of God. Yeah. Um, And therefore, I think it's incredibly free. I can eat at five Guys. I can eat at Mm In-N-Out. And what what honors God is whether it's good, whether it's beautiful, whether it's excellent, whether it's
0: done well. Yeah. Um, Because all all beauty. And all goodness reflects God, right? Yeah, and absolutely. Like I um, like I like I I've, I've used this example so many times, um, but it's just a good one because it's something that we might be able to relate to. Is, um, I had like a really good uh, steak in Vegas, and, um, like it, it literally brought tears to my eyes because it was so good, and um, I you know like I know this sounds like it might sound like weird, but then I th- I, I said. God is so good. You at your wedding, I mean. The <laughs> yeah. <kind of> thing. <laughs> Christine's here, so. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, like, and uh, and actually, like, Christine and I, we went to a a concert on Friday, and it was a guy named Tommy Emanuel, and I didn't know this at the time. I didn't know that he was a Christian, but then he, uh, like, he, um, like, he was he's a he's an acoustic guitarist, and um, the music he was playing was there were no words to it, but it was. Absolutely beautiful. And Christina and I, as we walked out of, the, uh, out of the auditorium, we were talking about, wow, this reflects God. Like, how can you hear, like, beautiful music um, and not believe in God? Because, you know, there's no reason for music to exist. Have you guys ever thought about that? There's, there's absolutely no practical reason for music to exist other than to raise our senses and our emotions. It's to create beauty in the world. And everything good and beautiful, this reflects God when it should point to God. So whether or not you make um, you have Bible verses on a wrapper, as long as the burger is good, it's it's beautiful. Um, or if you guys, uh, what do you, like? I'm just looking at you guys. Some of the guys, like if you guys are teachers, you go into the classroom, you teach your students well, um, and that you teach them to reflect the image of God as well because you're teaching them about how the world works. This is how the, God created the world and these are the, the rules that govern the world, and you teach them to live as civilized cultured people that can contribute to society, this is good and this is beautiful. If you guys um, work at a restaurant, and you guys, um, like, Tub, you're, you're a manager in the restaurant, you create a space where people can enjoy sushi, and, and you manage people with integrity, and um, hopefully when people walk into Amakara, they feel like... There, here, here's here's something good. Here's something that I know that I'm going to enjoy the food that I'm going to eat, and um, even if God is never mentioned, people people will go, well, this is there's something good about this. There's something beautiful about this. So we'll talk more about just like
1: yeah. I, I think um, I want to piggyback on that. I think like the way you you, you honor God is do your work with integrity? Another company that brings it to my mind is Forever Twenty One. Mm-hmm. The founders are also Christians. Um, and so the, you know, they say, oh, this is a Christian company. They want to honor God. Well, I don't know if you guys know Forever 21 has this massive class action lawsuit for their labor practices. Mm-hmm. Right? And so the, la- the workers complain. You guys cheat us. You're scamming the workers. I think that's a greater scandal. I mean, that's incredibly scandalous mm-hmm. that uh, Christian a uh, uh, Christian owners should have their workers basically you know, suing them. Yeah. Um, I, and I think there, there's something called a Christian subculture. I don't know if you guys have heard of that where like, you know, Christians, you know, patronize Christian businesses, I think that's a lot of times an excuse for shoddy work. Uh-huh. Uh, Christian subculture products, I mean, this is really embarrassing, but they tend to be lower quality. Yeah. Like, why is that? I yeah. mean, we just attach to a Christian, we're like, oh, we feel like it's an excuse for bad uh-huh. work. It should yeah. be that
0: way. Yeah. Do you guys remember, um, this was like in the 90s, there was a company that made Christian mints. Like, <laughs> they're called yeah. Testaments. Oh. I uh, I that. That. <laughs> like I like, uh, like I I, saw it, I was like like I like I honestly thought that it was a joke when I first saw it, but these people were seriously created mints that had crosses on them. I was like, wow. Like I mean just like I like I want I want mentos or I want Tic Tacs. Like I'm not gonna buy this just because because <laughs> there's like a cross on it. Like this exactly the Christian subculture because we retreat and we think that there's a difference between what we do and what the unbeliever does and the Bible says no, we all the the work of of the person who works at Cadbury is just as important as the person who works at the Christian Mint Company. It's all important, and, like, and so when you patronize places, um, patronize the places that do good work and offer good value, not necessarily the ones that are Christian, right? This is this uh, because um, all all goodness and beauty reflects the goodness of God, and God is happy with the works of unbelievers. Alright? Um, so, um, be- the believers call to work. Um, 1 Corinthians 7-7. Uh, who did I stop uh, Ashley, can you read um, 1 Corinthians 7-7, please?
1: I wish that all were as I myself am, but each has his own gift from God, one of one kind and
0: one of another. Alright, so here's Paul talking to the Corinthians, and Paul is saying, I am going around as a missionary, I'm planting churches, and, you know, it, it's. It, we might think, well... Um, Paul, he does such important work, he should tell other people to do the same work that he does. But Paul says here, um, I do my own thing, and if you are a plumber, once you become a Christian, that doesn't mean that you stop doing plumbing and you go into ministry. It says, Paul says, um, you're gifted with certain talents and gifts. You should continue in those things, one of a kind and one of another. I have this quote here The doctrine of vocation undermines conformity recognizes the unique value of every person and celebrates human differences. But it sets these individuals into a community with other individuals, avoiding the privatizing self-centered narcissism of secular individualism. A believer is called, um, for, for those of us in this room, whatever you're doing, uh, unless you receive, maybe a, like, m- unless you really feel like God's calling you into ministry or to do something else, Whatever you're doing, just stay in that job or stay at that in that classroom or whatever it is that, that uh, you're doing. If you're good at it, if you, if people benefit from your work, then the encouragement is: unless there are other ex- ex- extenuating circumstances, stay in where you are and continue to do the work that you do. Mm. And this is something that, um, you know, like, when, when I hear that there are people that um, that they're Christians in the, in the workplace. I'm like, wow, I'm so glad like stay in that workplace. I worked in a, um, I worked at for a software company years ago before I went to school. And um the uh the head of um of uh, it wasn't the CTO, it was the uh, I think it's the CIO or something. Um he, he was a Christian and I when I left, I sent him an email. I was like, I'm so glad that you're here at this company because um 90% of the people at that company are not Christians. And I told him, like, you know, I'm I'm so glad that you're here. Like, please stay here at this company because you're one of the few Christians here and the the, the non-believers need that Christian in that workplace to continue to do the work that he's doing because it's good work. Um so um, the doctrine of vocation it says it undermines conformity. It means that across the church we can have all types of occupations and careers, and all these matter to God, all these have value. And um, I'll talk more about privatizing and self-centered narcissism next week. Any questions or comments right now? Okay. Um, the beginning of the Protestant work ethic. Have you guys heard this phrase before? The Protestant work ethic. It has uh, this phrase has um, become just a part of a part of our vocabulary because it's so um, it's been it was so influential in the way that the the West that the Western world was. Um. Uh, was shaped. So this actually, uh, this this word Protestant work ethic it begins with Martin Luther. Um. So do you guys, re- if you guys remember the story of Martin Luther in the 1500s, he was a monk in the Catholic Church, and he lived under this oppressive guilt and shame. And he, um, he thought, you know, if I, uh, I, I feel so guilty, I'm so sinful, and the way the Catholic Church worked was. They had to. If you did something wrong, you had to go to penance. You had to um, do things, or you had to confess, and then you had to do penance. You had to like make up for the sins that you did. And he lived under such guilt and shame. And um, he thought that you know the way to earn favor with God was to be a good person, was to keep the rules, was to do the things that the church told him to do. But one day he was uh, studying the Bible. He came across this verse, Romans seventeen four. In it, the righteousness. Um, let me read verse sixteen as well. I should have included that in there. Romans 16, uh, 1, 16, and 17. And it says this For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in its for in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith, as it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. This was the one of the most important moments in western history actually in world history was when martin luther read this verse and he saw that he could not earn favor with god he did not have to earn his favor with god when he saw that it was through faith that we were saved this changed everything for him he knew that it wasn't by keeping the rules that he would have favor with god he knew that it wasn't by confessing all his sins and staying away from anything that could tempt him that wasn't how you were in favor with God. It was through faith. It was through what Christ had done. And how does that play into how we think about work now? Uh, we'll go on. First um, Peter two nine. Can I have uh, Roxanne? Can you read First Peter two nine, please?
1: That you are a chosen race.
0: Right, thank you the way that um, uh, the uh, most of the most of uh, the people around Martin Luther's time thought was that you know if if I really am um, holy if I really am faithful to the church if I keep the rules then my work is uh, or what I do as as a person uh, should reflect that so what I want to do is I want to become a monk I want to become a nun and people saw monks and nuns and priests and everyone that worked in the church as their work was more important because that earned favor with God and God looked upon these people um, and, and he would say that these people have more favor with me. These people are better. Martin Luther's discovery that it wasn't through what you did that earned favor with God changed everything. And that what that says about all believers is that we are priests so the work that we do even if we're not in ministry is just as important as those who are in The ministry. It says that we're a royal priesthood. Um, That means that we are on equal footing. So, like um, Michael and I were the pastors of the church, but that doesn't mean that we're more holy than you guys. Um, I mean, it 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 means that we are all we all stand equal before God, and this frees all of us up to think about what we do. As you know, there was there's um, our work. Michael and I's work. It's we're religious workers, but our work is not necessarily more sacred than what your work is in the office or the restaurant or the classroom uh, because we are all priests before God. Um, so I have this quote here, the priesthood of all believers did not make everyone into, a church, into church workers. Rather, it turned every kind of work into a sacred calling. And I'll end here. We'll, f- we'll go into the distortion of work next week. But um, everything that we do is sacred because it reflects the image of God so think about what it is that you do. And the way to think about how your work matters to God is think about how does my work create beauty and order in the world? So it's it's easy to say, um, like the farmer. The farmer, he creates um, food for people to eat, and this is necessary for people to live. And by doing so, the farmer is doing the work of God. If you're a programmer, you're creating software that helps people, and this reflects... Uh, the mm-hmm. image of God, because people are being helped by it. The world is set into order because of it. Um, if you guys, whatever else it is, I mean, do you guys want to throw anything out there that might? Uh, you're not sure is about that
1: issues of like integrity, right? Yeah. Or uh, justice. I think a lot of times you come up um, with the problem that your companies with dishonest mm-hmm. practices, and I think what it means to be a Christian worker at that moment is: do you have the courage to be honest, to be integrity, mm-hmm. and say no? are you willing to be
0: fired? Right. Um, I think
1: mean, you know, this is the real test, not whether, you know, you'll uh, write, I'm a Christian on my
0: T-shirt. Yeah. yeah. And we'll, we'll talk about more like the practical aspects of being Christian in the, in the workplace okay. next week. But yeah, that's a really good point. It's, um. so any questions or comments before we close out? So I think my main takeaway is just for us to think about like just work matters to God and work is not bad. Work is good and our jobs, um, whatever it is that we do, these things matter to God because they create value for people because they make the world um, more structured and ordered and beautiful. And um, so think of it in in those terms. And when you walk into the office tomorrow, um, don't go into dreading dreading it saying like, oh, like I shouldn't have to work. Work sucks. And no, my work doesn't matter. Um, Everyone does work that matters to God. And uh, so be encouraged by that. I know that there are times when, you know, like I, I, I used to work. I worked for like five and a half years before I went into school, went back to school. And uh, there were times when I'd be like, I hate being here. There, there's no reason for me to be here. Like the work I do, like I hate it. And um, I don't see how it makes any difference. But then um, if we think about it biblically, we'll go, you know, my work really does matter. And we'll talk more about that next week. And we'll talk about some of the practical ways in which we can be a Christian in the workplace and how we can glorify God through our work. All right, cool. All right, let's pray. Father God, we thank you so much for um, the beauty and for um, for hamburgers that taste delicious, and um, teachers that teach well, and for engineers that do their do their job and make the world a better place. And uh, for all of us here, God, I pray that we would not um, just think about our our time in the office or whatever it is that we do during the week as wasted but as something that is good and beautiful and that you've given us a privilege of of doing so god i pray that you would um, turn us into uh, people grateful for what we can do and um, and i pray that as we uh, uh, think about this that we would uh, continue to become um, better workers god so i pray for these things and i pray for our service in a few minutes that you would be in the place, receiving worship and honor from us, God. And may you be the center of everything that we do. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.